<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash bpshow, patreon.com slash bpshow. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com/slash The Bill Press Show. All right, you didn't spend enough on Friday. Now's the day, Cyber Monday. Yep, get online and shop till you drop. Hello, everybody. Monday, November twenty-seven. That's what it is, and this is the Bill Press Show. How about it? Great to see you today. Hope you had a nice, great, long, relaxing, wonderful Thanksgiving break. We certainly did. Uh, enjoyed very, very much getting together with friends and family. And uh, now are glad to be back with you for what promises to be a busy week. And it is already starting off as such with lots going on. Congress coming back in town. Uh, with the Senate hustling to try to pass a tax cut bill for the rich before the end of the week, growing pressure on Congress to do something uh, about sexual harassment in the Congress. After all, if uh, those guilty of uh, sexual assault or harassment can get so quickly fired in the workplace or in the media or in Hollywood, why can't that happen in Congress. Good question. A lot of people putting that pressure on. Uh, and yes, Donald Trump now saying, oh, that Access Hollywood tape for which I uh, apologized. Well, no, sort of uh, said, yeah, kind of an apology, but said it was just locker room talk. Now he's saying it's probably a fake tape after all. He's sounding more and more like Roy Moore. Oh, man, so much to talk about today. We will uh, get into it with your help, so send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Love hearing from you about all the news of the day, which we'll jump right into. But first, this is the Full Court Back Press. South Carolina. Yes, indeed. Just, ca- just a couple of other stories making news, breaking news this morning. Uh-oh. From Britain. Oh, yes. They have announced that Prince Harry is engaged to American actress Meghan Markle, a marriage, uh, big news this morning over there in England. They said that the wedding will take place in spring of 2018, and they will live at Nottingham College at Kensington or Cottage at Kensington Palace, where Harry currently lives. So she's going to move uh-huh, in uh-huh. to the grounds with them. Prince Harry informed, "Quote: Prince Harry has informed Her Majesty the Queen and other close members of his family." 
He has also sought and received the blessings of Miss Merkel's parents, end quote. That is from the royal household this morning. People seem to get really excited about this stuff. Yeah, I don't really understand the appeal of these <laughs> stories. I don't know if it's just that we still hold on to this weird. We and have such a stuff, fascination but... with British royalty. Remember, I don't, but I understand yeah, I some either. people do. I, I remember coming into um, uh, the office this, uh, in the studio when Prince William was married. Okay, and yeah. people pouring yeah. out to watch it on television. It was that you know six hours ahead and everything. Oh my god, no! I and could, then all the like, I could the, care less. Yeah, I don't get it. And then like the Diamond Jubilee or whatever that was a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, it's a whole oh, yeah. big yeah. celebration. Remember it's... Prince Harry playing pool in the nude? Oh in yeah, Las Vegas? that's right, <laughs> Vegas. Yeah. That's of course. That yeah. wasn't that long ago. That's oh. the news you can use. Right <laughs> now <there>. look <laughs> at him. Now yeah. look at him. It was stripped. Pool or something like that. That he was, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I guess maybe that was before he met Megan Markle. Must have been. <laughs> Must have been. Hey, how about this? This is crazy. Uh, the er- eruption of Mount Agung in Bali. Yeah. So not yeah. only is this a big problem because it's you know a volcano that has erupted, but they say that seventeen thousand Chinese tourists were on Bali and nobody can get out because it, but the smoke from the volcano is causing all kind of disruption to airline travel around the world because they have to fly around it and you can't fly through that smoke. It's so bad. It's so thick. So just be careful if you're flying in the next couple of days because (laughs) seriously, because it's a real mess out there. Uh, they uh, remember that happened with uh, uh, a in volcano on Iceland. Iceland, yeah, yeah, a couple yeah. of years back with international travel for days and days. Yeah. On your radio, on TV, and online. This is the Bill Press Show. Yep, consumers expected to shell out $6 billion online today with a Cyber Monday. And I got to tell you, uh, that's a better way to shop. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? Monday, November 27, the Bill Press Show. Great to see you. Thank you for joining us. Here we are, all back together again live. Uh, that is, there we go on tape on Thursday and Friday. Hope you had a great, great, great Thanksgiving weekend. I uh, had a chance to really relax and just hang out and you know not didn't not have not get anything done that's what a Thanksgiving weekend is for um but especially uh for getting together with um what I think most of us think is the best holiday of the year because there's no shopping no presents involved it's just uh good food and fun with family and friends Sorry, we, uh, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. I was busy looking for some deals online. Oh, so yeah, you better. Sorry. Uh, flat screen TVs are the <laughs> big thing this year. I Is understand. it? Yes, good, indeed. Good to know. Uh, we are looking at you on uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Of course, our online presence. Our television presence on Free Speech TV out there coast to coast with you. And, of course, joining you in the greater Chicago area on uh, WCPT, the Progressive Voice of Chicago, and on Indiana Talks out in the Indianapolis area. Um, I got to tell you, uh, by the way, in terms of Cyber Monday, having spent the Thanksgiving weekend in New York City, oh, yeah. uh, the crowds were unfreaking believable. 
<laughs> Carol and I actually got through without doing any shopping, but just walking up Fifth Avenue or Madison Avenue or through Times Square, I've never seen such big crowds in New York. Wow, man. Yeah, it was great. Uh, we also uh, took the time. We were very fortunate to get tickets to see a great musical called Come From Away. Uh, and if you have a chance, if you're in the New York area, and so many of you go there during the holiday times, it's a beautiful time to be in New York. Uh, Come From Away is a story of September 11 in Gander, Newfoundland, when suddenly 38 jumbo jets were diverted to Gander, Newfoundland, and were there for that's like 7,000 people in a town of maybe 5,000. <laughs> and they were there for a week. And it's a way the townspeople really rallied and, uh, you know, got together food and blankets and pillows and places to house them and take care of them. Uh, it's an incredible, uh, very uplifting story. Uh, and the people of Newfoundland New at Gander <laughs> responded. But Welcome you know, to America, Newfoundland. Yeah, not quite America. But you know what's interesting? I didn't realize this. Is it used to be that all international? Okay, so Gander has one of the largest airports in the world. Really? Because international flights, transatlantic flights, used to not be able to make it without uh... refueling. So they all stopped in Gander just to refuel. And when the more efficient jets took over maybe, what, 15 years or so ago, right, they stopped using Gander. But 9-11, when they needed a place to put everybody down, here was this great big empty airfield. Oh, that's interesting. Gander, Newfoundland. And they brought all those people in there. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It was, uh, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a fun show. And we've got a fun lineup for you today, Graham Weiss. Uh, staff reporter for the New Republic, good friend of the show, will be uh, will be along uh, with Sun Min, Sung Min Kim, who covers Congress for Politico. This is going to be a big, big week in the Congress. And then uh, Emma Roller, now with Splinter, used to be with the New York Times, will be here uh, here as well. And the big stories, yes, sexual harassment continue, and the various dimensions of it continue. To dominate the news, um, mostly because of what what's happening in Congress. And uh, just in the last week, of course, we had the allegations against uh, Senator Al Franken uh, and then against Congressman Ranking Democrat, the longest-serving member of the House of Representatives, uh, Democrat John Conyers from Michigan, and then Republican Joe Barton uh, from Texas. Yo. Yeah. Each of those is a little different, but they're all very troubling, and they've all gotten uh, a lot of attention. Most of it focused on the fact that while there is sexual harassment in the workplace, of course, we've seen it in the media, we've seen it in Hollywood, and has been taken care of. I mean, look at the people who've lost their jobs, have been fired like overnight the latest being Charlie Rose uh, in the media, when Congress, when this happens in Congress, uh, and it's rampant in Congress as it's rampant in the military, but what happens in Congress, uh, these uh, complaints, uh, first of all, it's very, very difficult, as Congresswoman Jackie Speer from California has pointed out, uh, and Senator uh, Kirsten Gillibrand of um, New York, they're the, they're the ones who have been leading uh, this charge for years, uh, it's very difficult for a woman who's been the victim of sexual harassment 
to find out where to go, how to make a complaint. Uh, once that complaint is made, it goes to the Senate, Senate or House Ethics Committee, which are notoriously slow in dealing with these cases. And in a lot of uh, cases, there uh, may be a settlement. Uh, there may be no action at all taken. And it takes years and years. And it's all very, very much under the radar. Uh, and what Congresswoman Jackie Speer and uh, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, are, uh, they have legislation in, which is so, so important to make this process uh, faster uh, and to make it transparent. Congresswoman Jackie Speer, um, yesterday on Face the Nation, I forget which one of the Sunday shows, saying this process has to move faster. I think that the allegations are uh, very serious, and that's why the Ethics Committee needs to move very swiftly, not wait years, but very swiftly. And she was talking about about a woman, by the way, whose time has come on this issue. She's been out there on this for a long, long time. Yeah, and And she's been in our studio talking, talking with us about this. I mean, she's her her, the first uh, thing that she and uh, first problem that she and Senator Gillibrand focused on was the military. Yeah, uh, where um, they leave it up to military officials to determine what should happen to any officer who's been accused uh, or even found guilty of sexual harassment. And there have been many cases where uh, officers found guilty and then they've been found guilty by by the military court and then the military commanding officer says, well, that's too bad. We're not going to do anything about it. We're just going to let them go because they've been good guys, you know, all their the rest of their career. So uh, the, you're right. This is the time for uh, Jackie Spear and Kirsten Gillibrand. Finally, the, um, the world has caught up with the problems that they've been raising. In that comment about the allegations, serious. Uh, they are. She was referring to the allegations against uh, uh, Congressman uh, John Conyers from Michigan. Leader, Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi uh, was on Meet the Press yesterday uh, where she didn't do so well uh, in speaking to this issue. Uh, she started out. So here's Congressman Conyers who's been accused by several women of um, either firing them because they refused to have sex with them. Those are the allegations. Uh, there have been some cases of sexual harassment against charges against him, which were settled for certain money, uh, for money that he paid out, taxpayers' money, using a house, a fund that members of Congress have for like incidental expenses, and he was using it to pay off his sexual harassment lawsuits. Uh, given a chance to comment about him on Sunday, uh, Leader Pelosi instead kind of praised him. We are strengthened by due process. Mm -hmm. Just because someone is accused, and and was it one accusation, is it two? I think there has to be. John Conyers is an icon in our country. He has done a a great deal to protect women. And she said, yeah, that was so wrong answer. I mean, boy, she doesn't screw up much, but she did then. Uh, mm, Nothing. All right. And. Uh, then she said, so, uh, and when she was pressed as to what do you think ought to happen, she just kept, she just uh, punted uh, up to the Ethics Committee. That's for the Ethics Committee to review. But I believe he understands what is at stake here, and he will do the right thing. Uh, and in fact, uh, it uh, be, uh, came out later, she had been in conversations with him, pushing him to step down from the House Judiciary Committee, where he's the ranking Democrat. He did 
uh, just an hour or so after Leader Pelosi's um, appearance on Meet the Press. And she, realizing that she had stepped in it, uh, put out a subsequent follow-up statement saying, uh, just because you are a have been a leader for a long time doesn't is no excuse for sexual harassment. It's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Senator Al Franken spoke out for the first time since he, the charges against him were filed. Uh, he's been, you know, kind of <laughs> uh, laying low. Uh, don't blame him. Uh, spending Thanksgiving out in Minnesota with his family. He did speak to a local television station and to uh, Minnesota Public Radio uh, yesterday, saying he was coming back to the Senate today to try to rebuild people's confidence in him. He was not going to resign. And, yeah, he was feeling pretty bad. I am ashamed of that photo. Um, I, uh, she uh, is, uh, uh, you know, she didn't have uh, any ability to consent. She had every right to feel violated by that photo. By the way, um, he was referring, of course, to the photo uh, with the one reporter. They were on the USO tour. Leanne uh, Tweeden. Leanne Tweeden, yeah. yeah, just to thank you. Uh, and um, we, we know the photo where he was grabbing her breasts uh, while she was asleep on the plane coming back from the USO tour. Uh, uh, and But, but you got to say, not excusing what Al Franken did, what he did was wrong, but um, the contrast between Al Franken, I did it, I'm ashamed of it, I'm embarrassed, I've apologized to her. She has accepted his apology. What a contrast with Roy Moore and Donald Trump. Yeah, Roy Moore, who continues to attack his accusers. Roy Moore, who continues uh, to refuse to step down, and he's not going to step down. And Roy Moore, who continues to deny everything, deny even knowing these women. Uh, and, of course, Donald Trump coming again to his defense. He made it clear before he left for Mar-a-Lago uh, that he wants Roy Moore to be the next United States senator from Alabama because he wants Roy Moore's vote on the tax cuts. And he believes, he says, he believes Roy Moore because Roy Moore denied it, which, of course, we're supposed to believe Donald Trump because he denied it. And in Donald Trump's world, if you deny it, it never happened. Now, there was this messy problem of this Access Hollywood tape where Donald Trump is on the bus with Billy Bush bragging about forcibly kissing women, just yeah. smacking them, you know, going up and planting his tongue in their mouth, and also about grabbing them by the genitals, which he laughed he can get away with because he's a celebrity. And when this initially came out, uh, by the way, everybody thought the, that was the end of Donald Trump's political career. <clears throat> Look where he is now. Uh, Donald Trump... After at first fudging a little bit, he finally admitted, yeah, that's me. That's my voice. But it was just locker room talk. That was his defense. And people, a lot of evangelicals and everybody backed him up and, and kind of went on. Now, the latest is reported over the weekend. He's been telling people privately that there was a fake tape. Man. How can he go there? I mean, you know what? He better be careful because there, there, there are ways – People, people can check that that's exactly his voice, and you know it is. Yeah, of course it is. And by the way, there were witnesses. He wasn't the only one on the bus. Right. 
Billy Bush was there. Yeah. Billy Bush lost his job over it, right? <laughs> and there were others Which on the Which is still remarkable, by the way. That, yeah. like, it was seen as Billy Bush, who didn't say, I mean, he he didn't say what Donald Trump said. He was there laughing along with him, and yeah. I don't think that yeah. he deserves right. any, any leeway for that. But, like, no. he was not suitable to be an employee of his company. Right. But Donald Trump is suitable to be the president, president of, the United, of the United States. Yes, right. It's amazing. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, and just check here. So Donald Trump here, here is uh, what he's doing now, supporting Roy Moore and also attacking Doug Jones, right? That we can't have that liberal Democrat. That's why we need the child molester and the pervert and the pedophile. No, look, this is something that I that I said that from the I very find beginning. So disgusting. This is something I said from the yeah. very beginning. I don't know if this is going to hold up or not. About you know whether or not Roy Moore can actually win this race. But there are people, especially in Alabama, who will look at this race and say, at least he's not a Democrat. Right. At least he's not a Democrat. Which is exactly what Donald Trump said. Yeah. And it's grotesque. It's horrible. Yeah. But like we have to look that in the face. There it they is. would rather have a child molester than a Democrat. Right. Uh, he may be a – he is a child molester. He's a pervert. He's a pedophile. Uh, you you name it, right? Yeah. But Is it all right for a man who's 30 years old to date and court a young lady who is 14 years old with their parents' consent? Is it or is it no. – Not at my house. No. No, no. no it's not. Not <laughs> in the 80s. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's one of the That's idiots. That's the answer. Idiots supporting him. Pastor Flip, Pastor yeah. Flip Benham. Yeah, I was looking forward to Here it is. This is so this was Sunday morning. Uh, <clears throat> I woke up to this in New York City. Uh, Donald Trump's Trump tweet, rather, about Alabama. Quote, the last thing we need in Alabama and the U.S. Senate is a Schumer-Pelosi puppet who is weak, all caps, on crime, weak, all caps, on the border, bad for our military and our great vets, Bad for our Second Amendment and all caps wants to raise taxes to the sky. Mr. Trump's tweet about uh, about Doug Jones. Um, well, you know, there's at least one Republican, not not the only one, but um, Peter, uh, one of your senators from uh, South Carolina. Yeah, man. Tim Scott on the Sunday shows yesterday saying uh, the right thing. No, this is not what the Republican Party needs. It is pretty clear to me that the best thing that Roy Moore could do for the country is to move on. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, but, of course, again, uh, he won't. Uh, final point on this is, uh, not a penultimate point on this, is Donald Trump's support of uh, Roy Moore has created a little division in the uh, Trump family, too. To her credit, Ivanka Trump, her first comment was, I'm paraphrasing here, there's a special place in hell. Yeah. For those who prey on children. And she said she believed the women and she saw no no reason why she should not believe uh, the women. Uh, apparently, again, reportedly, Donald Trump was very pissed off when he learned that his daughter uh, had come out to criticize. She'll be campaigning for him next month, though. Yeah. You know at this what? rate. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Her track record. Yeah. 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 She'll be right yeah. on the front yeah. lines there. And uh, believe Alabama. that. Uh, believe that. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. Trump will be. I'll be in the next in the next ten days. Donald Trump's going to be in Alabama campaign easily. Him and Mike Pence. Yep, man. Yep. No. Uh, absolutely. God Almighty. And again, the final point on this uh, topic: 
the thing that pisses me off the most and enrages me most, and I find the most offensive at all, are the religious leaders who have lined up. Uh, some 50 pastors in Alabama, we just heard from that nutcase Flip Benham. Um, there's the other guy who said uh, uh, he's head of, a, head of a group called, a pastor's head of a group called Pray in Jesus' Name, who says, of course Donald Trump went after young girls because it's the purity of the young girls that's important. That's what he was, that's, that's what's so special the purity of these younger God. That's it's like an excuse for dating nuns. It's disgusting. <laughs> or it's disgusting. Or the lady that he's married to now, Miss Kayla, is a younger woman. He did that because you know, there's something about a purity of a young woman. That uh, hasn't been talked yeah, about enough. When he first met his wife, she, she was, was married. Yeah. She or had been married. Well, she was underage when no, he no, no, married. She was 15. When he met her the very first time, she oh, was yeah. underage. Under dance age, recital. Right. A right. dance recital. Yeah. Dance recital, yeah. But but she had been married when he married her, so I'm just saying, man, <laughs> it's so sick, sick. But at first, I was ready to dismiss these people as just crackpot rednecks. I'm sorry, Peter. My um, people, my people. <laughs> yeah, don't take that personally, Peter. Yeah. Crackpot rednecks from Alabama, and yet I saw yesterday, surprise, surprise, Reverend Jerry Falwell Jr., president of Liberty University. And I think you would have to say today the leading evangelical in the country, right? Uh, if, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, if not him, who? I think that's I think that's right. I mean, Pat Robertson's. Yeah, he's no, he's gone. James Dobson is no. like nowhere. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah, right. I yeah. think that's right. Uh, Jerry Falwell Jr., who stood by Donald, endorsed Donald Trump, and then stood by him after the Access Hollywood tape, yep. saying that Donald Trump convinced him that the women were lying. Over a dozen, all lying. That was last year. This year, Jerry Falwell Jr. last week told Religion News Service about Roy Moore. He's endorsed Roy Moore. He is standing by Roy Moore, Roy Moore because he believes, he said, I believe the judge is telling the truth. <sighs> Jerry Falwell Jr. Man. So he believes that all nine women now who've uh, accused Donald uh, Roy Moore of going after them when they were teenagers, all nine of them, uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. says they are lying, and Judge Roy Moore is telling the truth. So the you lesson know, here he is will burn, lie about it. Lie about it. Yeah. yeah. He will, may he burn in hell uh, for uh, ever and ever. <laughs> uh, a couple of other little quickies about Donald Trump. Of course, Donald Trump now says that, uh, oh, Peter, I didn't tell you this. Jamie, I didn't tell you. Yeah. Uh, Friday, we were, we were not live Friday, but I got a call Friday. Yeah? From Time Magazine, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's Person I'm of a, the Year time. It is Person of the Year time, and um, I'm one of the uh, finalists, yeah. Oh, it's congratulations. Down to, it's down to two of us. They wouldn't tell me who the other person is, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, um, it would be a great honor. Yeah? Yeah, but they said they wanted to do an interview with me uh, and a photo shoot, and... Um, that's just too much, so yeah, um, I, I, I turned them down. Did they want Bernie to do it with you, and you said, no, if, if you, no, it's, Bernie it has was to be to just me, oh, oh, that's, don't oh, throw yeah. Bernie into this? They actually <laughs> called you because they thought you were Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, I said, no, no, that's all right. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I'll pass. I'll pass. <clears throat> well, didn't happen to me, but that's what Donald Trump says happened to him, and Time Magazine says, you're full of beans. No, that never happened.
Who do you believe in this case? Uh, I will always believe whoever is against Donald Trump just because of how bad he lies. I wouldn't be surprised, by the way, if he were man of the year, person of the year again this year. Well, I have to tell you, by the way, I I got in my inbox this morning, uh, my email from Time Magazine, who should be Time's person of the year for 2017 vote now. So you Uh, can go and you can see where the results stand right now. That's the, what they that's what they do, but anyhow. Number one is Mohammed Bill Salman. All right. Number Who the two, hell is he? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. Seriously. I'm going to be honest I hear with Ray you. laughing. Ray, you tell us who he is. I don't know who <laughs> None he is. None of us know who it is. I'm going to be honest. I have no idea who that is. Uh, number two is- What's his name again? Mohammed Bill, Bin Salman. I can Google. Iranian, oh, he's maybe? the new king of Saudi Arabia. Oh, I guess that's he's a the big cr- deal. no, no, he's the crown prince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of no, Saudi you're Arabia. Right. You're right. Yeah, that okay. makes sense. Right. So, so he's like, <laughs> he's he's at number one with a whopping fourteen percent. Below that is the Me Too campaign, the women who are coming forward to talk about sexual assault at only six percent. So not a person, a ca- though. He has a command. No, but they've done that. Oh, they've before. done this before. I got yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Colin Kaepernick is number three. Now I go all the way down to let's see. There's Kim Jong Un, Jimmy Kimmel, Emmanuel Macron, Taylor Swift, John McCain, and oh, there he is, Donald Trump, in at two percent. You know what? I think this. First of all, I think Donald Trump is lying, and I think what this of is he's is he is setting the stage for not getting it. Yeah, that I it could have been this classic Trump, right? He knows he's not going to get it, so now he's setting the stage for his excuse for not getting it is, I, it could have been me, but I turned it down. Right. And by the way, he could, I mean, there's an argument to be you made that what? he should be person of the oh, year. Oh, no, no, no. I could make that argument. Yeah. He has dominated this year Absolutely. in the news. No doubt about it. Right. But this is like before the election when he said, was calling the election rigged, yeah. setting himself up for losing, right? This, yeah. is, this, is, this is what he does. My, my theory is he did turn it down. <laughs> Only because he was afraid of getting attacked by that eagle again. <laughs> That's right. If you remember, it's one of the greatest video clips or gifts or images of Donald Trump to this date. During that photo shoot, photo shoot it was with an eagle. The eagle nearly attacked him. He made him pose with an eagle, and the eagle was not thrilled to be there. And Donald Trump freaked out. <laughs> was the eagle making a nest in his hair? <laughs> Should have. <laughs> or wait a minute. Is his hair an eagle's nest? That's it. Uh, Spoiler alert. It's more more like a pigeon's nest. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering what what product he uses his hair. I didn't realize it was guano. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, A final Trump comment. Um, There was, sadly, a horrific, horrific uh, terrorist attack. uh, ISIS supporters, if not ISIS itself, in the northern Sinai, where over 300 people killed in a mosque uh, during prayer on Friday. Uh, and, of course, Donald Trump commenting on this terrorist killing in northern Egypt proved, made the case for why we need the wall. Oh, my God. God, oh my I saw God. that and I said, give me a freaking break, right? I mean, you could have... Whatever, uh, a tornado in Missouri, and Donald Trump would say, "This is why we need build that. the wall. This is why we need to, yeah, build the wall." All right, hey, we're just getting started. Told you there's a lot to talk about on a Monday. Your comments always welcome. Again on Twitter 
at BP Show. Graham Vice starts us off from the New uh, Republic. A whole lot of stuff he's been writing about. We'll find out. Say hello. Uh, quick break. We'll be right back. When you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the pussy. <laughs> I can do anything. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. And on a Monday, November 27, here we are back with you again after a great holiday uh, and Thanksgiving break. Great to see you coast to coast uh, as we come to you live from our studio here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Brought to you today by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. Good men and women of the UFCW under President Mark Perrone. They're the ones who put food on our table. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, doing great service in our retail uh, grocery stores all across the country. And uh, we thank them, uh, salute them for their good work, thank them for their support of the program. And welcome to the studio, our good friend uh, from uh, the New Republic, staff writer Graham Weiss. Hello, Graham. How are you? I'm good. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did. I was just saying- Were you the, back up in Providence? I was back up in, in, uh, in uh, Westerly. Well, we, Westerly. my parents just moved, yeah. but in Rhode Island. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, good, good. You know. And stopping grounds. Uh, um, and uh, Peter's back from South Carolina. And yeah, indeed. We were up in, uh, in New York City for the weekend. I mean, there's nothing like Thanksgiving's the best holiday, hands down, <laughs> don't you think? I, I love Thanksgiving, yeah. And I love the, uh, I love the you know, uh, uh, sort of getting to, uh, you know, see family. And I, I do have some, I, I don't have any, uh, you know, Trump supporting uh, relatives. I do have some, some sort of never Trump uh, Republican types who are were suitably off- offended and sort of off put yeah, by what's yeah. been going on, but I have to say uh, the best thing for us is, and I do have some Trumpers in my family. Yeah. We had uh, uh, so my sister's home, eighteen eighteen people for dinner. Okay, a Trump free Thanksgiving. Wow. Oh really? The word Trump never stop was it. Ma- really? Never was mentioned. Uh, we never s- talked about Trump or politics at yeah. Thanksgiving. At least was not in any brief, conversations in that house, I was yeah. a part of. I was very impressed. Yeah. I was worried. I was ready. I was ready to walk out. Yeah. And my girlfriend um, has a lot of crazy <laughs> uncles who uh, are fans of Donald Trump. Mm, I was very impressed. Didn't come up, right? Never came no, up. We had a Trump-free zone, I'm telling you. It came up a couple of times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Up a couple of times, I, uh, just because he wouldn't shut up like during <laughs> no, the, the I know, holiday week. I know. Like. Yeah. Although, Bill, I have to say, I feel like you you could probably hold your own in a political debate. That's something you've done a little bit of. So you know, <laughs> I, 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 you know, well, I, thank you for your, yeah, yeah. thank you for your vote of confidence. Uh, but you know, I just get into it with family. No, I'm not, not ready for it. So I appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate it. No, I, I, I having was, a day off. Yeah. yeah, right. I was I was saying to the two of you off the air that I you know I I walked into the studio this morning and you know I I, I did have a good you know sort of relaxing rejuvenating week and just hearing those clips about Roy Moore I just I feel completely sick to my stomach yeah. and, and all over again <laughs> and, yeah you know, all, all, right all back into again. it so. well um so one thing that was remarkable yesterday or notable I guess yesterday is um we have heard the denials from Donald Trump and the accusations against his uh, victims we've heard the denials from Roy Moore and the accusations calling all of his victims liars um yesterday we heard a different tone from uh, Senator Al Franken out in Minnesota. If we can, Jamie, here he is talking to um, Minnesota Public Radio. I am ashamed of that photo. Um, 
I, uh, she uh, is, uh, uh, you know, she didn't have uh, any ability to consent. She had every right to feel violated by that photo. Uh, and uh, sort of at the same time, uh, Congressman John Conyers from Michigan, uh, after a little pushing, did step down as uh, the ranking Democrat on the uh, House Judiciary uh, Committee. So I, I guess the point I'm making is um, not that what any of them did is wrong, mm-hmm. is right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what all of them did was wrong. We see a different response, a different way of dealing with it from Democrats and Republicans. Fair to say? I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, Franken was criticized uh, for his his very first initial statement. Right. Um, and then put and then he put out a, a sort of longer response that seemed more, um, you know, full throated and, and, and contrite and, and, and apologetic. Um you know, and I, and I do think, you know, you were playing earlier this uh, or talking about Pelosi and, and sort of uh, how uh, Democrats on Capitol Hill are, are grappling with it. And, and I do think it's a tricky situation because, of course, when it comes to the uh, court of law or, or, or sort of legal matters, like due process is certainly uh, important. Um, you know, in terms of the sort of politics of it and, and, and how it's dealt with, I mean, th- those are political questions. You know, it's a separate, uh, you know, discussion. And I think the, the the key for the Democrats at this moment is to draw a contrast with, as you're talking, you know, pointing out um, with how the Republicans are dealing with this issue. And, um, you know, to, to say nothing of the fact that, of course, that, that you know, uh, that's the the moral thing to do, the right thing to do. Um, so I think I think I would agree that that uh, that that both Franken um, and Conyers are are sort of uh, taking it more seriously than uh, than the Republicans are, but uh, although you know Conyers is is, is denying the, the allegations and and there's yeah. question he, as to whether or not he he has is not gonna... been as forthcoming right. as Al Franken. I mean, he he is in denial, and also there's a question of it that that uh, apparently uh, yet to be proven that he settled some of these lawsuits using right. taxpayers' money and uh, and there's not talk of him. He's not there's not a suggestion that he's planning on resigning from his. Uh, from his posting in Congress, at least not at the moment, from from what I've been reading. Right. Um, so it is, it, you know, it's interesting. I mean, and we'll see, we'll see how um, how sustainable that is. And know? as we mentioned off the air too, then there's Anthony Weiner. I mean, who was who d- did? I guess you could say not as bad. Certainly not as bad as what Roy Moore or Donald Trump are accused of. Not again defending anything he did. This the sexing, particularly with the. With a, un, again a teenage girl, mm-hmm. uh, but he's in prison. Right. right, he lost his job in in Congress. He's in he's in prison. Yeah, compare again to where's Donald Trump today? <laughs> right, but again the the, 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 the <laughs> it, I I acknowledge that it is a uh, it, it you know it it is tricky because the 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 truth is that. Um, you know, there's this. I've been hearing this. This uh, there's some Democrats and 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 progressives who have sort of ha- jo- been joking about how well you know our people will resign. You know, when when Donald Trump you know resigns, oh, we'll uh, yeah. we'll 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 step aside when. But you know, if you're counting on Donald Trump to provide the standard for moral leadership yeah. and to and for doing the yeah. right thing, yeah. you know, you're you're not going to be you know um, happy with the result. And also, again, you know, I think this is a moment where. You would hope that Democrats would really, you know, lead. And and I, you know, I'm I'm not 
Um, we had, we had a piece uh, at the New Republic uh, arguing that Franken should resign. I think you know th- that will continue to be uh, you know sort of debated. The, the the question you know or or what certainly seems true to me is that if he were to do that, or if he, you know you know any of these uh, these Democrats were to do that, there would be a real opportunity to sort of show to sort of model that kind of you know moral leadership and 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 you know to sort of you know uh, show for the country you know how this can be handled in a in a good way you know if, if that's the choice he were to make or right, any other were to make right um, the other contrast of course is we've seen so many people I mean go down the list Roger Ailes Bill O'Reilly Mark Halperin Kevin Spacey right. Charlie Rose Harvey uh, Weinstein lose their jobs thrown out of their companies thrown out of their jobs uh, and yet members of Congress it seems to be a little double standard when it comes to members of Congress it takes very difficult to file a complaint against them and years and years for any action if at all anything at all yeah yeah and i've heard place. this i've heard this argument that you know the 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 people you know because because the people of a state have sort of made a decision to send someone to congress that there should be a pretty high threshold for ousting someone from their job you know as there were you know um, some people argued that you know what was good about conyers stepping down from a leadership position is that those positions are are uh d- decided by the you know by the the politicians as opposed to by the people you know so that's i mean the, i i i understand the impulse to say that the you know t- to sort of oust someone you know should should there should be a, a pretty high bar for that but again you know w- we're talking about in some cases um you know allegations of um you know serious allegations you yeah. know and i'm not necessarily talking about ousting them but yeah. but whatever the action is as Jackie Spear and Kirsten Gillibrand have pointed out, the process is so. Oh slow no, there's today. no question. There's it's no question. Totally tilted against the victims. Right. Right. And it's it it's not transparent at all. Right. right? It happens in, over a long time in great secrecy. If yeah. anything happens, also. Gillibrand, I think, by the way, is an interesting uh, has been an interesting kind of subplot in all of this, in that she really seems to be leaning into, you know, very strong, you know, outspoken um, rhetoric on this. You know, she she had she talked about how she thought Bill Clinton maybe should have resigned. You know, she's that now, Democrat should have demanded exactly. that he resign. Yeah. So yeah. I think she's she's, uh, you know, sort of, um, you know, erring on the side of, of thinking that this is where the politics is going. And, and uh, like you said earlier in the show, I think she's been really out front on this. So. Oh, yeah. For years. Yeah. Right. This is uh, this is kind of uh, her, her time. Uh, you've written about um, it's kind of related, um, and, and we've lamented the fact the news cycle today is so charged. <laughs> it's like every day is another great big story. I know that we we don't <laughs> spend enough time on reflecting on certain things that happen. It's for example, November seven, the win in Virginia and across the country. It, I mean, governor's in various races places, in Virginia, yeah. but legislative races, particularly across the country was pretty dramatic yeah. for Democrats. Totally dramatic. What does it mean? Where does it go from there? Well, I'll, I'll just uh, tell a quick anecdote that the um, in, I think it was mid-October, I went out um, to Manassas, Virginia to spend some time with Lee Carter, who is this uh, Democratic Socialist uh, candidate who, who was running um, 
for the for the state legislature. Um, and you know, I, I thought it, would, it was interesting that it's someone who had been endorsed by a local chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America, you know, was running to, to against the um, you know a Republican in in the House leadership there. Um, you know, I thought it could be a good a good little story. Um, you know, and so I spent some time with him and every, interviewed some people and and talked to some Virginia politics experts, but. In the end, you know, in October, um, I, you know, I sort of thought to myself, you know what, no one here seems to expect this guy to win. Uh, you know, it seems like kind of a long shot. And so I didn't I didn't end up writing the story. So come election night, you know, there's this enormous blue wave in, in Virginia. And this guy, Lee Carter, wins by nine points and, and, and beats the, the you know, this this uh, one of the top Republicans in in uh, in Virginia, a Democratic Socialist, exactly a Democratic Socialist. And so I, you know, it was 930 at night. And I, you know, wrote to my editor and I said, you know, what I need to do is I need to pull an all nighter and write a story about Lee Carter based yeah. on the, you know, reporting that I have. So yeah. uh, so then, yeah. you know, that wow. was that was my piece the next day. But it just that to me is illustrative of how big the wave was. And and actually, you know, one of the um, <laughs> things that I reported uh, in in a subsequent piece is that uh, this validated for uh, Democrats who have worked on state legislative races, the idea that just having good candidates in place in these districts. So if there's a wave, you know, you can catch the wave and 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 win. Um, there were a lot of outside groups that also spent uh, some good money uh, in these campaigns, and um, they deserve credit as well. Um, but you know, it, I think it was it was a perfect storm uh, in in Virginia where they they were sort of set up uh, to take uh, advantage of a wave if it came, and it came. Uh, well, yeah, the uh, uh, chairman, uh, Tom Perez, a uh, frequent guest here in the studio, uh, has the phrase, every zip code counts, I mm-hmm. think, or something like that, and which is true. It, it's absolutely true. And the, refle- the, the uh, application of that is in every race there has to be a Democrat running, even in a red district, uh, because you never know what's going to happen. Right. I mean, Wit- and, and- Witness this, and you have four red districts that— Trump carried by double digits in Oklahoma this year in the state legislature have flipped from Republican to Democrat. Right. And, and you know, it, it, I, I certainly understand that, you know, there, there are or can be finite resources and the party has to make sort of strategic choices about how much investment they're going to make in each race. Yeah. Um, but there's a role for outside groups to play. And I think what we're seeing here is sometimes that extra investment makes a difference. These groups like Indivisible, mm-hmm. Our Revolution, I'm sure Our, Our Revolution was supporting Les Carter, whatever. Yeah, I believe so. There, but it, there was, but, to be honest, there was a long list of people who were involved. So, right. And um, Progressive Change Campaign Committee, Emily System, I'm not trying, I, I don't want to eliminate any of the ones I mentioned. There are more even. You're right. These, I think that's where the energy is and the excitement is today or in these outside groups. Not not the DNC, not the Democratic, not Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi. It's these grassroots oh, no, organizations there's no question. that are finding candidates, recruiting candidates, training candidates. Yeah. I mean, there's less 15,000 women mm-hmm. that they're for training. And a lot of them are for city council, school board, city council, state legislative races, and then on up, right? And that's where the action, that's where the energy uh, is today. And they're, they're, they're winning seats all over the place. Yeah, Look I'm, at that Virginia House of Delegates. It was, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, you know, the, if uh, the notion, I mean, I, I think I talked to a Virginia, a local Virginia politics reporter who sort of said, boy, he, you know, he, first of all, he told me I'm not expecting Lee Carter to win. And then he said, if he did, uh, it, it would be, uh, you know, indicative that there was a huge wave. Well, guess what? 
know, I mean, it was I, I was I was uh, I was really uh, impressed by by the the amount uh, that he won by, and and uh, you know, of course, you know, th- there but, were, yeah. So, it, but bodes well for twenty eighteen for sure, wouldn't you say? I I think I think it does. I mean, I think I think there's what we're seeing is that the the the, the election uh, in Virginia, uh, you know, Ralph Northam's victory, and, and we have to remember, you know, uh, you know, Northam. Um, there was a lot of anxiety uh, in the I think the week before the election about <laughs> Ralph Northam God, and yeah. you know God, and yeah. uh, and and maybe you know I think if if I were we if I were Ralph Northam's campaign maybe I would say that some of that was uh, undue and that perhaps the the, the, the press and some some on the left were, were you know sort of overly uh, you know wring let's their just, hands. Let's just be polite and say he wasn't the most charismatic candidate we've seen. But there fair. was there was a lot of collective anxiety in this studio, yep. right? Uh, and and, yeah. and the great thing is that you know it, it, uh, it, it's sort of like water under the bridge now because you know he he won and and he and he did run on uh, you know a, a progressive platform and so you know uh, uh, hopefully you know it, it works out. I have to ask you. So what's the story with Gina Raimondo? So Your I'm governor. It's interesting uh, <laughs> that you bring that up. I'm actually working on something on on her at the moment. Um, How did I know. And and uh, and, <laughs> and so, uh, it, it, but it, it, she's a um, was a uh, came in in. in uh, she's an emerging star, I think, in the Democratic Party. Well, it's 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 it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, she um, she came in. Uh, she had worked on uh, pension reform in in uh, in Rhode Island and had gotten a lot of attention, uh, particularly in the national press, as a sort. Of um, you know brave you know reform minded Democrat. She has a really impressive um, background. She, she was a Rhodes Scholar. She uh, she went to Yale and Harvard. She had worked in um, in venture capital. You know so. But what's interesting uh, about her is she she's definitely from I would say the more sort of center left wing of the party as opposed to the sort of mm-hmm. um, uh, you know emerging you know populist left wing I mean one thing was she um, was out there uh, really supportive as as all of the state politics establishment was of Hillary Clinton and then Bernie went and won Rhode Island convincingly in the in the Democratic primary last year um, but I, I so I would agree she's definitely an, an interesting uh, character and she um, she continues to be touted in the national press as kind of a Democrat to watch. Um, the one thing is that uh, all of the uh, Rhode Island doesn't have very good political polling, but um, her approval rating doesn't seem to be above you know 40 percent or mm. so. It's certainly under um, at or under fifty percent, and so I think you know she is expected to face um, a competitive uh, challenge for re-election next year. So yeah, she's an interesting uh, uh, person to watch, and uh, TBD. I, I may have uh, have something on on her coming nice. up. So. All right. Yeah. I'm, 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 I, everybody has national aspirations. I'm sure she does. I'm not sure how realistic they are, you know, from, from the smallest state. Right. And it's right. certainly it's but, certainly unusual. But she's made a good mark. I it's think, certainly so unusual far. for, for uh, someone from Rhode Island to be talked about in that way. Um, that's that doesn't not something that happens very often. Right. Uh, Graham Weiss with us from uh, New Republic and uh, New Republic dot com. So, um, have you heard from Time Magazine yet about? Uh, you know, I have not. <laughs> uh, I, I should say oh. I wasn't expecting a call. You know, so not all of us can be. You know, s- s- sitting there waiting <laughs> oh. for the phone to ring. Uh, but I was I was glad to hear that you were on that list as well oh. of, of the, <laughs> the many people who uh, who apparently are declining photo shoots with Time Magazine. So. Yeah, I mean, what do you what do you make of that? <laughs> I, 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 you know, I I'm not surprised by it. I mean, the guy, as some you know, some people were saying, you know, it's the, it's the perfect combination of, you know, this sort of 
vanity and the sort of yep. you know his his enormous ego there's just sort of like in underlying insecurity about oh my gosh what if i don't get it you know and then and then also it just speaks to how completely unfocused on the actual job of being president that he is i mean th- can you imagine for uh, an instant if any you know barack obama george w bush you know, Bill Clinton, George H.W. Bush. I mean, the notion that they would be sort of publicly fretting about being man of the year for or person of the year for Time magazine. I mean, it, 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 it is unthinkable. And um, and, I, I, you know, but the, the, again, but, the sad thing is I, I can't say that it was surprising to me because we've seen versions. It's of- just so funny. Like I, I, I've like in this age of Trump, I think the people who've covered New York the longest sort of have the best grasp of who Trump is, right? Like, it's not a D.C. story. It's still Donald Trump because, you know, the New York media just loved Donald Trump, and he thrived off of being a media character, not a leader or, you know, some community thought leader or anything like that. It was just all about how many times could he get his name in the paper. Mm -hmm. And, And back then... As, as it is now, it really didn't matter if it was good or bad. It right. was just getting your name in the paper. And he was a master at that. And the New York media really ate that up. And so, like, we're kind of back now to that whole thing where, to him, that's still all he really cares about. What kind of press is he getting? Yeah. Not what is he getting done. What kind of press but is he getting? Also, in terms of things that a president would spend his time worrying about, um, it, it, Donald Trump's one-man war on CNN, I find really bizarre. So we know, I mean, but it it gets to the point of really affecting national policy when the Justice Department denies the merger between AT&T and Time Warner after Donald Trump has suggested this deal is not going to go through unless they dump CNN, which they didn't. And so then the Justice Department... Blocks tries to block the, the merger, and then over the weekend, Donald Trump tweeting out, "Fox and Friends is Fox Fox News is doing such a great job, and yeah. CNN giving us a black eye around the world." I mean, right? it, it's easy to CNN and international, right? It's easy to sort of chuckle at this and and to and to be uh, you know just sort of you know lump this into all the rest of the Trump craziness. Mm. This is one of the issues where I'm sort of the most. I have the most anxiety and 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 feel uh, the, I think it's sort of like one of the darkest storylines of the Trump presidency is that if you condition half the country to believe that basically there's only Fox News and other sort of state approved uh, sources of media that are true and that and if you are really successful in getting half of the people to to genuinely believe that all of the quote mainstream media and sort of traditional media is is fake which you know we should say there was some of this that went on under previous uh, you know prior to Trump you know the sort of Fox News phenomenon but um, it's I mean that's darkness that you know that way lies you know i mean in other words i I think that's how you really do fall into Mm -hmm. a kind of authoritarian um 
you know, situation and, and a form of government. I mean, I, I really, I, and I, and the thing that I stress about is that I don't know how you, how you fix it. I don't know how you repair yeah. the trust and the sort of um, shared sense of, you know, common facts, common reality that is being broken apart. So I, you know, I don't, I don't have anything up, upbeat to say about it. But uh, no, <laughs> no, it's troubling, um, and it's silly, but it's, but you're right, it's very, very troubling because he's, he's like, if, if you want anything to believe, you watch Fox News. Everything right. else is phony, MSNBC, but particularly CNN, New York Times. But you know, maybe the most powerful, the reality is, isn't it, that the most powerful network today. Uh, I hate to admit it, but even suggest it, I guess. Trump's tweets. What's he got? Forty-five mm-hmm. million followers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just, I just if even think, half mm-hmm. of the people right believe his tweets. Yeah, you know, when I think about like you know ch- ch- children How- who are growing up and like their parents are teaching are teaching them this, and it, it, I, I really think, um, you know, we had a piece uh, in the New Republic. Uh, uh, sort of about uh, always Trump, forever Trump. Basically, Jeet here basically made the case that um, even if once Trump leaves office, that we're going to be dealing with the consequences mm-hmm. and repercussions of Trumpism for for certainly as long as any of us are on this earth. You know, and I think this is one area where that's definitely true in terms of the uh, corrosive effect he's had on uh, distrust in media and 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 a shared reality. And on that scary thought. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. Hope y'all had a good Thanksgiving. <laughs> thanks for having me. We leave you. Okay. At newrepublic.com. It's Graham Vice. Newrepublic.com. Thank Great you. Great to see you. Sung Min Kim from Politico coming up next. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is Cyber Monday. Why aren't you online and shopping? All right, no, wait for another hour. Then you can <laughs> then you can start that. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? Yes, indeed. Uh, estimated $6 billion spent today online. So I uh, hope you are ready. Uh, here we are with the Bill Press Show this Monday after Thanksgiving, Monday, November 27th. So good to see you. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, and are ready to jump into all the news of the day because there is a lot going on, a lot to talk about. As Congress comes back into town, uh, facing the big deadline of trying to get a tax bill out of the Senate uh, by the end of the week, that's occupying most attention, uh, with a lot of attention, too, to the issue of sexual harassment charges against both Republican and Democratic members of the House and the Senate. Uh, and calls, many calls on many fronts for uh, a more f- fair system of uh, dealing with these charges 
uh, in the United States Congress and maybe taking a lesson from what some private companies are doing, uh, not uh, delaying action for years and years and years as they seem to do in the Congress. All of these issues, uh, Sungmin Kim from Politico, on top of them every day and takes time out on this busy day to join us in studio this morning. Hi, Sungmin. Nice Hi, to see you. Hi, how are you? All right. You ready to jump back in? I am. I'm ready to go. You had a little break. Of. It was nice having a little break, having them <laughs> out of town, bit, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we'll catch up with you yeah. with what we can expect this week uh, from our friends just down the hill from us on Capitol Hill uh, at the United States Congress. But First, this was a big story a full today. Court Just a couple of other stories making news. Yes, indeed. Well, yesterday, late yesterday, it was announced that Meredith Corp will be buying Time Incorporated. Yeah. Who is Meredith Corp, you ask? Well, it's a deal <laughs> backed by the Koch brothers. Yes. Yes, indeed. Time Incorporated, the publisher of People Magazine, Sports Illustrated, Fortune Magazine, of course, Time. Uh, they it's going to be a one point eight four billion dollar all cash deal, which again they got the backing of Charles and David Coke. But the Meredith Court, I never heard of them before. But they have like good house. They've got a lot of publications. They already. do Family good Circle, Better Homes and yeah. Gardens, Good Housekeeping yeah. is one that you mentioned. Based yeah. in yeah. Iowa. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, really? Right. Oh, yeah. So they're running. That's, <laughs> that's, my, that's my takeaway. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I mean, you know, we'll see what they do to change the image of it, but uh, it's it's a done deal, apparently. Hey, uh, yes. former President George H.W. Bush has been in the news recently because of his uh, sexual harassment or sexual assault of women, but there is some good news for former President George H.W. Bush. He is now the longest living U.S. president. He's 93 years and 166 days old. That beats Gerald Ford, who passed away at 93 and 165 days old. So every day that he's alive from here on out is another day that he's How old's Jimmy Carter? Jimmy Carter, I don't know how old Jimmy Carter is. Uh, he's 93 years, 55 days. There it is. Hmm. Who? Yeah. Jimmy Carter. No. Jimmy Carter. Really? Yeah, is he right. in his 90s? I thought it was just in his 80s. Okay. Yeah, 93 hmm. and 55 days. Still building houses. Still out there building houses. Yeah, he sure is. So uh, so there's that. Here's a sad story that I find. This is just crazy. We It's been almost two months since the shooting in Las Vegas. Well, over the weekend, the holiday weekend, uh, Roy McClellan died in an accident. He was one of the survivors of oh, the, uh, of the uh, gun assault there in Las Vegas. But here's the thing. He is the third Las Vegas massacre survivor to die in a deadly car crash. Again, it's been less than two months since it happened, and three people who survived the attack have died in car crashes. Isn't that terrible? God, what an ill-fated... Yeah. 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 You guys give me crap when I read sad stories during Full Court Press. Jeez. I'm just saying it's weird. Weird. It's sad. It's sad. your radio, on TV, and online. This is the Bill Press Show. Yep, sorry girls, but Prince Harry, no longer available. Uh, yeah, the uh, Buckingham Palace announcing this morning uh, they are in fact engaged, indeed. Lots of rumors that, there were, that they were Prince Harry 
and Meghan Markle, an American actress. Uh, I remember one British king giving up his throne to marry an American, right? Oh, yeah, way, right. way, way back. I don't remember that, but I remember hearing about it. Uh, at any rate, and they, uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, will be married in the spring of 2018. How about that? With that news, we start off a little bit. That's about the only good news, I guess, that we had to report today. It is the Bill Press Show on a Monday, November 27. Welcome back to the real world from your long uh, and, uh, I'm sure, relaxing Thanksgiving break. Good to see you again. We're joining you online, of course, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On television, Free Speech TV, booming out to you coast to coast and uh, out in radio land uh, in Chicago on the great WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicago, joining us in studio to bring us up to date uh, as Congress comes back in town. What's on the agenda? Sung Min Kim covers uh, the Senate for, and she takes a look at the House as well. You can't help it. Uh, for Politico, politico.com. So, Sungman, how are you? Everything I'm doing good? well. Did you have a good break? I did. How was your Thanksgiving? Everything was great. Good. Yeah, we were up in New York for the weekend, enjoying uh, New York City. Love New York City for short increments. <laughs> nice weekend in New York. is crowded, more crowded than I've ever seen the city. Uh, just mobs of people. We <laughs> avoided going into Saks Fifth Avenue. Smart. Or, or any of the other. <laughs> well, yeah. we, you, know, you can easily get trampled <laughs> in, in, in the uh, in the shopping crowds. So on the uh, top uh, top on the agenda, I guess it's got to be the tax cut bill, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the it's passed the Senate Finance Committee. Yes, on a to, partisan vote partisan, uh, right before the break, and right. it is headed in theory to the floor this week. But first, a little stop at the Senate Budget Committee tomorrow. Yes. So what happens is, if you recall the budget that set up this procedure where uh, Republicans can avoid a Democratic filibuster, it also gave what we call reconciliation instructions to the Energy and Natural Resources Committee. Basically, that is Lisa Murkowski's committee. She used that authority to uh, raise money to um, uh, by drilling in the Anwar in L. In Alaska, it was seen as a major policy win for her, especially um, considering she can be a swing vote on these controversial bills. So it's usually it's supposed to be a procedural step just to package these bills together um, Mm -hmm. before heads to the floor. But an interesting dynamic is that both uh, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin and Bob Corker of Tennessee sit on that committee and both have been major issues on this tax bill for leadership. And the budget committee has a one seat majority Republican. So in theory, either senator could use their leverage on that committee to, you know, get changes that he wants. Right. So uh, Republicans, again, reminding ourselves, have 52 votes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they could lose no more. Th- if they lose two, mm-hmm. That's they're okay. Fine. That's fine. They if they lose three. three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned Bob Corker, mm-hmm. Jeff Flake have both said they've got some problems with adding a trillion and a half dollars to the deficit over the next decade. And then Ron Johnson from Wisconsin has expressed some concerns about the bill, maybe not dealing with... Not he says fa- it, it It kind of favors corporations over, over small, small businesses, business, and he right. wants more generous treatment for right. small businesses and their tax um, policy. Uh, uh, and then John McCain has also expressed some concerns about the deficit spending, mm-hmm. I guess, too, right? So those are four mm-hmm. there. Are there any uh, – and, and, and who's this guy from Montana that they're talking about? Steve Daines. Steve would, Daines so, so is right also now, being talked about. So at that's, least eight 
uh, Senate wow. Republicans who are potentially problematic. And you kind of really? you kind of think of them in groups um, yeah. because yeah. if you sat if 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 you satisfy a Bob Corker, for example, then there's a decent shot that you can satisfy Jeff Flake because they have yeah. very similar concerns. Okay. So if you look yeah. at the deficit hawks, we've got Bob Corker, uh, Jeff Flake, John McCain in that group. And to a lesser extent, uh, James Langford of Oklahoma have expressed these similar concerns. So that's kind of the deficit hawk group there. If you have uh, the next group is kind of the small business group led by Ron Johnson, who has expressed concerns about how the bill treats these so-called pass-through mm-hmm. companies. And Steve Daines in recent days has been privately saying that he has similar concerns. So again, so those are two more. Okay. If you make Ron Johnson happy, in theory, you would make Steve Daines happy as well. Okay. And then you've got a couple of wild cards. So Susan Collins is always a wild card in these issues. She has several of these different um, concerns, or I, not as far as objections, but things she would like changed before she can um, she can get to a yes. And 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 Republicans do think she wants do really do think she wants to get there to be able to vote for this bill. But she doesn't like the fact that the tax bill um, repeals the Obamacare's individual mandate. She's not happy that those two issues are being mixed together. Um, and there are a couple um, other changes in the tax bill. She, for example, she likes what the House did on the state and local tax deduction, whereas the Senate gets rid of that deduction completely. The House struck this compromise to satisfy these blue state Republicans. Susan Collins is a blue state Republican, so she would prefer the House uh, treatment of that. And then Jerry Moran of Kansas is another wild card. He had a lot of town hmm. halls over the Thanksgiving hmm. break where he told his constituents that First of all, I don't like healthcare being mixed into this either. He thinks the two issues should also be separate. And he's also has concerns with the debt and deficit issue as well. So that would be another person I would watch. Wow. So um, it's no, it's not a sure thing is what you're saying. Definitely not a sure thing. But uh, on the other hand, the pressure is really Mm -hmm. building. I mean, Mitch McConnell clearly, clearly wants this. Mm -hmm. Uh, As, as Lindsey Graham said uh, yesterday, he was appearing with, um, uh, Dick Durbin, one of the Sunday shows, but but saying there's a combination of factors which probably indicates a bill would pass. Here's Senator Graham. We'll get there because failure is not an option when it comes to the Republican Party and cutting taxes to every Republican senator. The fate of the party's in our hands as well as that of the economy. The economy needs a tax cut and the Republican Party needs to deliver. So I think we'll get there. <laughs> so one way or another. They're going to get there. Do you agree that they will find a way I to get there? I think that he's correct that the political pressure is massive, especially because they couldn't get it together on repealing Obamacare. Yeah. And the the Republicans are supposed to be the party of tax cuts, so that amplifies the pressure even more. But I, right now, I'm trying to see how just even the simple math works because – Again, to make Ron Johnson happy and theoretically Steve Daines happy, it actually costs a lot of money. I mean, what Ron Johnson is asking for is will cost hundreds of billions of dollars. And the Senate does not have hundreds of billion dollars to play with. They have like 80 billion, a couple tens of billion dollars that they could kind of tinker around the edges with. But that's nowhere near what Ron Johnson wants. And if you boost it to a level that makes Johnson happy, then what do you do about the Corker and Flake and McCain and Langford? What do you how do you kind of deal with that crowd. So we'll see what happens. Isn't there another factor in that McCain, Corker, and Flake are never going to run for re-election? They are very independent-minded senators. Right. I mean, they don't have to worry about it. They can... you know, vote any way they want. By the way, exactly. I, I have to read this because this was in. Uh, I, I saw this over the weekend on the whole tax plan. 
37 of 38 experts surveyed by the University yeah, of Chicago's yeah, Initiative yeah. of Global Markets agree that the GOP tax bills in Congress would cause the U.S. debt to increase substantially faster than the economy. 37 out of 38. But here's the thing. The one economist who didn't agree with that, uh, Stanford's Liran Inev, says that he was uncertain if the bills would exacerbate America's debt-to-GDP ratio. But after the survey's release, he said that his response had been a mistake. And he actually <laughs> agrees. So now it's 38, 38 out of 38. 38. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The New York Times uh, quoted that in their lead editorial yesterday. Right. I mean, the economists just say this bill is a total sham. And it's also not very popular. It doesn't pull no, very well. No, no, no. And Republicans think that there are benefits to this tax bill that you can see once you see the changes on your tax returns and on your paychecks. But for now, this is not a popular bill. Yeah. And this is particularly, um, I mean, the Senate's always going to be a different political dynamic than the House. But if you look at where this tax bill, in theory, hurts constituents and taxpayers the most, it's in these like kind of the higher tax uh, areas where the blue state Republicans did actually vote against it. But those are also the areas where Democrats will be playing to knock out Republicans next year. So there's obvious there's this clear political dynamic that Republicans should be watching out for. You know, the, 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 first of all, what is this, a, a thousand pages long or something? I don't know. but I've they, been reading, I didn't read like the uh, legislative uh, text, but I've been reading the summary and the summaries are pretty long too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it, we will forever be in the process of discovering what's in and what's not in this bill, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and what's in, in front of the Senate. But one thing I was reading this morning is there's this deduction, $250 under present law, for teachers who go out and buy their own supplies, mm-hmm. supplies for their kids. And I'm sure they're spending more than that, but they could, un- under President, I'll take, take up $250. The House bill totally does away with that possible deduction. The Senate bill doubles it to $500. So it's- now, I mean, why wouldn't you double it? You know, I mean, why, why would the House, to saving money, these are teachers who go out and buy notebooks or pencils, supplies for their kids that their school district should be providing and can't provide, and the kids themselves and their families can't afford it. The teachers do it, and God knows the teachers are not making, you know, six-figure salaries, right? And they do this, and one of the, one of the incentives is they can get a little tax cut. The idea that somebody would see that as something they could do away with in order to give Steve Mnuchin and Gary Cohn another tax cut yeah. is insane. And there are similar provisions that have have triggered similar political backlash. I mean, if you remember, the House bill also gets rid of the deduction for medical expenses, um, which is yes, also not one. very popular, clearly. Right. Yeah. Uh, I believe the Senate bill keeps that because they they saw the backlash that the House got when they dumped that deduction. And again, if the Senate bill passes this week, that's nowhere near the end of this process because you're going to have to reconcile the two competing so, versions. Right. And while kind of the basic frame is similar, there's there's so many different little differences in the in the two bills that, again, that's going to be a major issue as well. Okay. Uh, two other factors. So the president is coming up to the Senate tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, to have lunch with the Senate Republicans like he did with the House Republicans mm-hmm. and give them a little pep talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a guy, the only Republican, national Republican, who's supporting Roy Moore and has really mm-hmm. undercut the Senate Republicans' effort to distance themselves from Roy Moore. So is Donald Trump coming up there going to help or hurt this tax cut bill? 
Uh, it depends. I mean, the, the senators are have been far less susceptible to kind of this personal pressure from the president than perhaps the House guys would be. But the House meeting um, or before the break, before they passed their tax legislation, um, it was it was it was it really was more of like a pep rally. He didn't have to like twist arms. He didn't have to like go in there and put political pressure on kind of these wavering people. Um, and I think they really left it to the Senate to work out their own differences. And I think that's still kind of how they're going to treat this because I mean what kind of influence will Trump have on a Jeff Flake or a Bob Corker who have butted heads frequently over you know politics policy everything so there it's not he's I don't think he's coming here or to the Capitol tomorrow to do this personal arm twisting I think he's kind of there for this pep rally show a little bit of party unity but again you don't know what's going to break out before that's going to ruin the unity aspect but you know Wednesday uh no, no, Tuesday, Tuesday. When did he go to Mar-a-Lago? Tuesday, I forget. He left, I believe, Wednesday, I think, last sure. Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he was on the, he'd been on the phone uh, beforehand with Mitch McConnell, M- McConnell pleading with him, don't support Roy Moore. Don't, we don't want this guy. Mm-hmm. We don't worry. Stay out of it. Stay out of it, whatever. And he walked out and talked to reporters an hour later and mm-hmm. said, I'm supporting Roy Moore. Mm-hmm. Right. So- you know this, this this friction between Senate Republicans and Trump exactly. is and very real. He tweeted real. yesterday that you know he yeah. doesn't explicitly tweet a support for Roy Moore, but saying oh, you no. don't want oh, no. a Schumer Pelosi oh, no. puppet. Oh in yeah. This. Oh no. He that was his, he yeah. didn't <laughs> that was... Roy Moore's name, but there's no doubt what he was saying. Definitely right. The, the other thing about the tax thing is, isn't it somewhat um, clueless on the part of the White House that the two spokespeople that they've got for how good this tax bill is for middle-class Americans are Steve Mnuchin and Gary Cohn. You can imagine. Billionaires. <laughs> right? and, and that photo last week of Steve Mnuchin <laughs> with his wife, the model wife, with her black leather gloves. Which, which someone, a, a CNN reporter, bills. Kate Bennett, who is so oh. good at tracking down, those gloves oh. are $600 at oh, least. My. Because they're leather, cashmere, whatnot. And when Republicans saw that photo, their heads just... Oh, like if you and their heads exploded. Democrats, money, money, money. We're full of it. Yeah, we're. we're yeah. Democrats ran to the printer to like print out massive copies of that photo so they could use in their floor debate yeah. <laughs> on the tax bill because that's exactly like as a visual. Uh, that was not, not a great and move again, for this Republicans. This is not the first time that Steve Mnuchin and or his wife have caused a little trouble. <laughs> Yeah, bragging about how much money they have, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. and what designer clothes uh, she's wearing and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and the private planes that they're flying yeah. on. And so these are the two you know, fat cats, mm-hmm. Cohn and Mnuchin, who are out there pushing the tax cut yeah. as, as good for the middle <laughs> class. Why does anybody believe? Why would anybody believe them? I think they've, and you recall too that um, during one of the fiscal crises earlier this year, I think it was during the debt limit standoff. Steve Mnuchin went to the House Republican conference. He has he did not have a good reception. He said things <laughs> like, "Vote for this bill for me," and the House Republicans are like, "Why? why? Like what? What, what, what allegiance do we, do we have to you?" And now, like, I think Senate Republicans have a little better relationship uh, with Mnuchin and Cohn than the House guys do. But regardless, these are two guys that don't necessarily have a lot of juice with. Republicans right now, particularly right now. Yeah, we read a list last week, uh, I don't have it in front of me now, of all the members of Trump's cabinet, starting with Trump himself, right, who will benefit enormously from repeal of the estate tax, for example, right? Mnuchin, Betsy DeVos, Mm -hmm. 
Ben Carson. I mean, go down the list, right? This is a Trump cabinet provision to get rid of the estate tax to help members of the of the Trump cabinet. All right, so you can settle this once and for all for us this morning. Who does have the authority to appoint the new director of the Consumer Finance <laughs> Protection Bureau? I am not a lawyer, but um, you know, I did see Mick Mulvaney. I, I saw a photo of Mick Mulvaney walking to the CFPB. So the yeah. director, Richard Cordray, <laughs> of the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, which was part of the Dodd-Frank bill to give consumers some protection, as the name implies, against the big finance agencies. So, And it's done, I think, some really good work. Elizabeth Warren was the one who first came up with this idea. Richard Cordray, very consumer-oriented, resigned Friday. And he says that the law, the provision of the Dodd-Frank bill gives him the authority to appoint his successor, which he did. The deputy director mm-hmm. steps up. Donald Trump says, no, I get to appoint the new head of it. He's an enemy of that thing. Mm-hmm. He thinks, And so he appointed Mick Mulvaney, the director of OMB, to be also the head of the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau. And Mick Mulvaney has been the lifelong enemy. Mm-hmm. And he also already has a day job. And he also has a day <laughs> job. That's the other yeah. issue, too. So I now did there's a, a lawsuit. Yeah. Donald Trump yeah. appointed Mulvaney. The acting director has filed a lawsuit against the president saying he doesn't have the authority <laughs> to make that appointment. What happens? I don't know, but I saw a photo of Mick Mulvaney walking towards the CFPP with a big bag of donuts this morning. So he's trying that oh. tactic. Oh. Dunkin' Donuts. Oh. So we'll see how CFPB employees respond to that. But yeah, this is a matter for the courts right now. Um, the CFPB's general counsel is actually excited with the Trump administration's reading of the Federal Vacancies Act. But again, it the Dodd-Frank Dodd- law does lay out kind of the succession of what happens if the CFPB director is no longer there. So right now it's a matter for the courts, and I'm really curious to see what how they rule. <laughs> well, let, let's just say that uh, Mick Mulvaney, if you got those donuts, uh, you can stop by here, right? <laughs> sure. Hey, we're suckers. <laughs> we'll support you if they bring the donuts by. But otherwise, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how yep. it plays out. I find it hard to believe that the president would not have the authority to appoint the head of a federal agency. but Particularly because again, that person's already read... Senate confirmed. And that was kind of the whole issue. Right. Because Mulvaney's already gone through the process. You can temporarily put him in charge of another agency because he's gone through the confirmation process. Right. So um, we, we focus so much on the tax cut bill that everybody seems to have lost um, sight of the fact that we could have a government shutdown before the end of the year. We could have a government shutdown a week from this Friday. Like that's the first, that's the earliest we could come, and I wouldn't rule that out just yet. December eight. Correct. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So get ready. The problem is that I mean it's all but certain now that we're going to need. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I will come back. Oh. So, so if they vote on the tax cut bill on Thursday or Friday, mm-hmm. right? Then they're going to come back Monday, and they're going to have four days. To, <laughs> to try this? to revert or shut down. Yeah. Exactly. And I think oh I think everybody again. is thinking yeah. right now that we'll, we'll give either a two or three week punt and um, keep the federal government running until December 22nd or I guess even beyond Christmas if it's three weeks uh, for the appropriators to come up with their big, massive omnibus bill that always creates a fight every December. Um, but the fact that just because of how polarized Congress is, the fact that the 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 four top leaders who are supposed to negotiate these spending levels haven't really gotten to a goal yeah, yet, yeah, um, that makes even just the 
the thought of like passing something by the eighth up in the air because you don't need to you don't need like a massive entire plan by the eighth. But Democrats would act like to see some sort of a path forward for a boosting domestic spending. If, if Republicans are going to get more defense spending, Democrats would like equal increases in domestic spending. They've said that for a while. And also they want to see some sort of a path forward on how to deal with these so-called dreamers who are up in the air say, right, right yeah. now. So that the if you have to kind of work all that out, um, that's a lot to work work through in the next couple of days. And this will be a big issue uh, when President Trump meets with the four top congressional leaders tomorrow at the White House after he meets with Senate Republicans at the Capitol. Uh, remember what happened the last time he met with the four leaders? He left with the Chuck and Nancy deal. So yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, see yeah, if, right. we'll see if Schumer and Pelosi's negotiation powers went out again over you know paul and mitch so no he's that's the meeting tomorrow yes so lunch with senate republicans at the capitol and then meeting at the white house at three with the big four right uh are there any other i I know daca is a really big one as part that that people are trying to get included in the Mm -hmm. spending authorization package before the end of the year are there any others like would infrastructure come back no, not in it. not in the context of this bill. So I would watch for how they handle the dreamer issue, whether they push that away. because Republic most Republicans don't want it in this bill. A few do, like Lindsey Graham and Jeff Flake, but a lot don't. Um but particularly the leadership. So that will be one to watch. Um, I would also keep watching for the border wall issue with Mexico. It seems mm. very long ago that that became a major issue, but the White House hasn't backed off its demand for at least some funding of the of the boundary between the oh. Mexico border. Yeah, right. Donald Trump even said that the terrorist attack in the northern <laughs> Sinai at the mosque on Friday, right, proves why we need a wall here. <laughs> Otherwise, those people would have come from Egypt over our border. Right, so both the, both the House and Senate Republicans have proposed about $1.6 billion for wall funding. Um, Democrats don't like that offer, clearly. Um, so that's another thing that they'll have to work out. Right. I didn't ask you about the—isn't uh, the um, isn't it another—oh, you did mention a sticking issue with Susan Collins, uh, back to tax cuts for mm-hmm. just a second, is this um, provision to get rid of the um, individual mandate. Mm-hmm. So Very will much that stay so. in the bill? That Donald Trump wants it in the bill, obviously. So does Mitch McConnell. It's unclear. It's I mean, unrelated for sure. It's unrelated except for the fact that you can use the money that you save by repealing that mandate to plow into more tax oh, yeah. cuts, which was yeah. their thinking. Correct. Otherwise, it's not related. Or, or or you could also think, I mean, actually, it could be thought of in a way that if the individual, if the penalty for the individual mandate is a tax, um, yeah. as yeah. the Supreme Court yeah. ruled, then it's related in that fashion. But... Clearly, Susan Collins and even Jeremy Rand think they're two separate issues. Um, the House bill did not have that provision in it, but there's some thinking that if the Senate is able to pass it successfully, then the House will probably follow suit. Because mm-hmm. that's $338 billion in savings, and that's very tantalizing for Republicans. Right. So how would you assess the future of uh, John Conyers, Al Franken, and Joe Barton? So I would separate out Joe Barton from the other two because I think that, um, I mean, he was clearly in a consensual adult relationship. It seems like he perhaps may even have been a victim of these photos being released online. Um, I think that most- they call it? Revenge revenge porn. porn, And I think that is illegal in the state of Texas. There was a law that passed in 2015. So I want to put that, I want to put him aside from those two. But he hasn't said whether or not he will run for re-election yet. 
Correct. Yeah. He had initially announced, but then after this, <laughs> the photos surfaced online, yeah. it, he kind of backtracked a little bit. Um, John Conyers and Al Franken, um, I think clearly there's been fallout for them already because Conyers has had to step down from his top post on the Judiciary Committee. Um, there are members calling for his resignation. There are no senators calling for or no Senate Democrats calling for Al Franken's resignation as of now. But as we've seen with a lot of these um, scandals, sometimes like more and more women just may keep coming forward. I mean, we yeah. had one allegation from the firsthand account from that woman on the USO tour, and then three more came out within a week. Um, Franken has talked to the Minnesota media. He says he doesn't think or he does. He hopes more women don't come out. And he, he is profusely apologizing to his constituents. Um, but again, it's, it's hard to tell. I think it, if there are more people who come out, I think it gets much more precarious for Al Franken. And clearly, they will not be the only three, I would say. Clearly, they will not be the only three members of Congress that we will hear about. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of um, women who are becoming, you know, who are brave and becoming emboldened to speak out about this, particularly since the Harvey Weinstein stories initially came out. And I think that Capitol Hill has been obviously a longtime hotbed of this kind of behavior. And now we're at a moment where news organizations are really looking into it. Have you experienced that yourself? (laughs) I think I just... There's a it, it it's just part of the job. So <laughs> I get a lot more racist comments actually more than sexist. So unfortunately, but I get that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. that's disgusting though. It's it's it happens. So <laughs> it shouldn't have to happen. It shouldn't have to happen. I agree, but no, I think that's I mean, come yeah, on, yeah. right? Mm. Anyhow, well, we love you. Thank you so much, <laughs> Sungmin. For Thanks for having in. me. Okay, all right. <laughs> Great to see you again. Okay, so go, go. You got a lot, lot. You're gonna be running Busy fast. Day. You're gonna be running fast this week, right? Yeah. Indeed. Well, let you go. And Emma Roller from a Splinter joins us next. Senior reporter, good friend of a program. And we'll take a quick break, and we'll be uh, right back. I'm, you know, uh, hugs people. Download our podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is the Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Rolling right along here on a Monday, Monday, November 27. Hello, hello, hello. Great to see you today. And it's good to be back with you after a long Thanksgiving break. Uh, as always, we're coming to you live from our studio right here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., where we're brought to you today by the International Association of Iron Workers, the great men and women of the Iron Workers Union. The sky is the limit for them, literally, uh, under the leadership of President Eric Dean, uh, our union iron workers building our communities today and ready to rebuild America's infrastructure tomorrow. Check out their good work at ironworkers.org. Here with us in studio... Um, from Splinter, senior reporter uh, Emma Roller. Hello, Emma. Hey, nice, Bill. To, nice to see you. Do you have a good, good Thanksgiving break? I did. I was just saying, I went home to Milwaukee um, 
and hung out with my uh, two-year-old niece, who is incredibly cute. And now I get to think about all the gifts I want to buy her for Christmas. So oh, my. There you, yeah, mm-hmm. that maybe that's the danger of Thanksgiving, right? It's the... Uh, Probably yeah, Christmas, right? It's kind of a chore to buy Christmas gifts for like my my brother or your adult relatives, but buying yeah. gifts for kids I find oh. really fun. I yeah. also yes. find that yes. uh, surrounding Can't yourself surrounding yourself with with kids is a great way to distract from the fact that we live in hell. That is a good point. Yeah, because <laughs> like my kids are old enough to realize now that like we live in hell. They watch the news. They pay attention. Yeah, little kids they don't know yet. All right, so um, I want. Uh, so the big question is, how much talk of Donald Trump was there at your Thanksgiving table? So none. Um, I think. Oh, there you go. Same here. We had a Trump-free no. zone. Yeah, no politics at my table either. There you go. Yeah, I wish I didn't have any. Only, uh, but we yeah. did. We didn't even have to How lay did you down. Escape? Did you yeah. lay down the rule or N- the, law, the law? No, or you know, I, uh, I would have. I wouldn't have minded talking about politics at, at Thanksgiving. And I, you know, I think it's kind of silly. That you, every year there's those guides like how to win against your, your family yeah, yeah, yeah. at the Thanksgiving table. But um, I think everyone involved, which uh, for the first time this year involved my f- core family and uh, my fiance's family and my parents and his parents have slightly different politics. Um, but thankfully, I think everyone was on, in the same boat of not wanting to talk about yeah. Donald Trump. <laughs> but you're a political reporter, so do they want your they don't want your expert opinion on what's really going on in Washington? Um I have run into that situation in the past and my dad particularly is like a big politics junkie, but I think it's gotten to the point where whenever I go home uh, and he asked me like, "So, what's what's the deal now?" and I'm just like, "Uh, can we just not, dad?" He's 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 learned that you know, maybe it's it's okay to eschew politics when I'm home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's good to have a break. It is good. And I, yeah. I, I stayed off Twitter for most of the past week, which was very cleansing for me. <laughs> I gave up Twitter. Did I tell you that? I'm done with Twitter. Permanently. Oh, wow. Well, I don't know. I might be back. We but... wouldn't be friends without Twitter, though. That's true. But My but prediction off... is December 1st when he originally quit. So we've got a couple of days until December 1st. I've been off for almost, yeah, almost a month, I guess now. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's great. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, he'll be back. I probably will. I'm not yeah. here to say like I'm, but like I. It's been so nice to not have Twitter. But yeah, I felt like Rip Van Winkle uh, yesterday, just kind of tuning into the news cycle again because we, you know, we yeah. didn't. We don't have uh, cable news at my parents' house. We weren't watching TV. I wasn't checking. Yeah. The news really on my right. phone, and then I was like, "Oh, what did he? What did Trump say about Tiger Woods and God. golfing very quickly?" <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, well, let's take a break from the um, news we've been talking about all morning. We'll come back to it with you, but you have written a very interesting article about uh, for Splinter News, SplinterNews.com, uh, banning prisons. Yes, so uh, that's pretty extreme. So we had an entire uh, theme the week before Thanksgiving of ban week, and um, everyone at Splinter was assigned to pitch different things they'd like to ban. <laughs> and so I decided to write about the prison abolition movement. Um, is there a movement? I didn't know there was. There is. There I mean, is a, there's one movement to make them private, to privatize prisons. To private or not private, privatize? To, well. Oh, yeah. Well, there is the movement to privatize. To privatize. And then not to privatize, but sure. to do away with them altogether. Right. So when you think about the idea of 
dismantling the prison industrial complex. That sounds pretty extreme off the bat, right? But what prison abolitionists are talking about, um, people who have, have much more history and background and activism in this than I do, who I talked to for this piece, it's not the idea of, okay, starting tomorrow, we're going to take a sledgehammer to every prison in the country and set everyone out. Um, it's the idea of building up a different social network or safe social safety net so that prisons are less necessary in society. What does that mean? That means support for people with drug issues. That means mental health issues. Uh, that means just better health care. A lot of people in prison are in prison simply because they cannot afford to pay bail. Um, we lock I think that's something that a lot of people don't know is that we literally lock people up for being poor in this country. And it's not an insignificant number of people. And that's setting aside, you know, the nonviolent drug offenses. So right. I think that's the starting point of. But there will be a certain number of violent criminals who should be put away, throw away the key. Right. Right. And and. Prison abolitionists take different stances on this, and I don't think anyone's saying, you know, the inevitable question when you bring up prison abolition is, well, what about all the, you know, what, what about, about the serial killers? Right, what about Charlie Manson who died last week, right? Right. What well, would you have done with him? Just Well, he's not alive anymore for one. <laughs> well, no, because he was in prison <laughs> right. for all of his life. Um, no, I don't think anyone is saying that we should put other people's safety in jeopardy because of, you know, freedom. It's more about how can we strengthen everyone's liberty and everyone's justice. When you start thinking about violence not as like an A to B line, but as a circle, and it's kind of hard to explain all of this. Um, mm -hmm. I get at it in the piece. Um, but, you know, it's easy to think of like, okay, Tommy hit Billy. That's violence. But if you know, someone gets raped in prison, does that count as violence? If a mother is sent to a federal penitentiary for a nonviolent drug offense and her her small children aren't able to visit her, does that count as violence? You know, you have to sort of really take an accounting of what counts as violence in our society and what does not. And prison abolitionists argue that there are different types of violence than just, you know, Serial killers, yeah. act, you know. I think they make a strong argument. I've never been mm -hmm. in, in the, involved in this issue, but but I think that that to, to to think that you're going to do away with prisons entirely uh, is probably just not mm -hmm. re not realistic. Mm -hmm. But for and on the on the um, nonviolent drug offenses, one of the tragedies of this Trump presidency is we were well on our way. I think. Mm -hmm in a bipartisan way to get mm -hmm. some resolution mm -hmm. of sentencing reform, mm -hmm. of sentencing and prison reform under uh, as recently as last year, the last year of the Obama administration. Even the Koch brothers were supporting it. Sure. And Jeff Sessions has, and Donald Trump have just dropped it like a hot rock and, and are going in the exact opposite direction. Right. I think it's been really interesting and some may say infuriating to watch, you know, Republicans positioning on criminal justice reform, you know, two years ago yeah. versus yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you had people like Rand Paul, even people like yeah. John Cornyn in Texas yeah. Yeah. saying, yes, right. we are locking way too many people up. 
for nonviolent drug offenses, mm-hmm. especially with the opioid mm-hmm. epidemic, a lot mm-hmm. more. It has to be said, a lot more white politicians are feeling more empathetic because the opioid crisis has hit white rural populations more than, say, the heroin epidemic or crack cocaine when we started really locking people up with mandatory minimums. Right. Uh, and suddenly that whole movement. That, that and that whole, has evaporated since yeah. since Trump was was elected. And I don't know if it shows that, you know, people like Rand Paul and John Cornyn and the Koch brothers were never actually that serious about criminal justice reform or if this is just the most politically expedient route to go and have just decided to go along with the Jeff Sessions agenda. I don't I'm not sure what it is. So. Uh, is the next step to uh, ban sexual harassment in the workplace? Uh, <laughs> well, I thought it already was banned. Is it allowed now? <laughs> well, it seems that it's banned everywhere except the United States Congress, mm. which does have right. a, a, a different policy, certainly a different way of dealing with it. You have not seen people like Roger Ailes, Bill O'Reilly, Charlie Rose, Kevin Spacey, Harvey Weinstein, Mark Halperin, whatever. The list goes on and on. Thrown out of their jobs overnight. Right. Almost. Right. So are you saying you think should there be a different policy in place I'm to remove you? Uh, uh, I think it's tricky. I think, you know, I think these claims should obviously be investigated. I think that the women who are accusing people like obviously Roy Moore, obviously Al Franken, Al Franken, John Conyers, women should be believed. There's a lot of rhetoric that like, oh, due process, due process, we're innocent until proven guilty. But that kind of, I think, is a convenient way to elide grappling with the problem of, of sexual harassment in one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful institutions in our country. And it's crazy to me that the U.S. Congress does not have, you know, the equivalent of a human resources department to adjudicate these claims. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Congresswoman Jackie Spear, we've uh, mentioned several times this morning that she and Senator Kirsten Gillibrand have been out on this issue mm-hmm. when nobody was listening to them, uh, starting with the military, which is still, by the way, totally unresolved, right? Mm-hmm. Their efforts to get the that the decision-making yeah. out of the chain of command mm-hmm. uh, have gone nowhere. And it's so I think it's still so important that that be done. Um, but now we've seen a similar situation in the United States Congress. It's very much in the chain of command, very much in the hand of the, right. the House or Senate Ethics Committee, which take forever to resolve these things, make it very difficult to to file a complaint, mm-hmm. take forever to deal with them, and it's all done very secretly. And it's not transparent at all. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Congresswoman Jackie Spears yesterday saying one thing we've got to do is just speed up this process. I think that the allegations are uh, very serious, and that's why the Ethics Committee needs to move very swiftly, not wait years, but very swiftly. Which would only be fair, right, Mm -hmm. seems to me, and that... that, that, uh, Yeah, they've done, um, they've been putting in the work, uh, Jackie Spears and Kristen Gillibrand, for the past few years on the military and now within Congress, as you said. Um, But it's really tough to... Once, you know, once all of these responsibilities are given to the chain of command, it's really hard to take them out of there. And, of course, everyone who's a manager thinks that they are the one perfect manager who's ever existed and would never, you know, overlook claims of sexual abuse. So it seems like a similar situation where having independent people or a committee to adjudicate these claims would 
be beneficial and especially to have it be a more transparent process. Right. Yeah, there's also the question which comes up related to uh, Al Franken, at least the first person, uh, the Leanne Tweeden, yep, I guess that's right, it, yeah. Uh, who, who, who raised these charges against him, which was, the question I'm getting at is, what jurisdiction does the committee mm. have before they were a member of Congress? Right. I'd have to say probably none. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it gets into the question of, well, who do you go to? Do you go to, you know, the pol- police in Minnesota? There. There just needs to be more of a streamlined process, I think, for claims of workplace harassment. And, you know, I could see it conceivably being done at a federal level. I mean, the Department of Labor is is not a great place to be addressing sexual harassment right now. But um, that could be an option for women to file complaints there. It's so interesting because we are at this moment where... uh you know, this story is really thrust into the forefront and it's forcing a lot of people to really face it down, either in terms of how they're going to punish it or how they're going to deal with it or how they're going to report it or whatever. But at the same time, my biggest takeaway from here from all this is like, we have so far to go. Like We have so far to go to just just like the logistics of figuring this stuff out, like you know, not to go down this whole separate rabbit hole, but BuzzFeed has this story about massage envy. The uh, the the massage parlor, which takes up like a giant part of the market. And there have literally been hundreds of women who have come forward and said that they have been sexually assaulted during their massages. And massage envy has like not reported it to the police. They haven't done anything about it. And it's kind of like, where, what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? Right. That's the other thing is that a lot of times it's just not in the employer's best interest to defend sure. their own employees. Right. Which is pretty messed up. Yeah. But I think uh, all, all those are legitimate issues. I mean, uh, but certainly for many reasons, Congress has got to deal with this in terms of its own yeah. its own system. Mm-hmm. It has to be a system that's that's fair, that's swift, and that's that's just for everybody. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's also easily accessible which mm-hmm. it is which it is not today it's not always been their their best feature no. and and it's no secret that sexual harassment in the in that workplace on Capitol Hill is rampant you know? sure and and in some cases beyond just sexual harassment yeah, yeah there's there's levels to this you know there you know I would characterize Al Franken's behavior as very inappropriate um but at the same time, what Dennis Hastert did is is terrible. Yeah. They're both, but they can exist along the yeah. same scale of violence against women. It's it's a spectrum. Right, and then you have Roy Moore. So, what, what, uh, how do we accept or assess the fact that the president of the United States says, in effect, I would rather have a sexual pervert. Mm-hmm. a pedophile in the United States Senate than any Democrat. And are we supposed to accept that as where American politics is today? I mean, this is the level that we accept in American politics, where well, there's no moral content Well, I think you, you have to, when assessing the, the more 
campaign, you have to look at the shifting goalposts of white evangelical voters in this country, um, a lot of whom vote in Alabama state elections. Um, There was some poll that came out um, a few weeks ago showing the contrast between what white evangelical voters said during the Obama administration versus now about how important personal morals are for politicians. And during the Obama presidency, white evangelicals said, yes, it's incredibly important for politicians to have strong personal morals. As they said during Bill Clinton's presidency. Right. Right. Um, And by the way, justly so, I think, in that day. Now, you know, shockingly, those goalposts have have shifted. Shocking. And white evangelicals are saying, ah, you know, no, it's it's really not as important for – it's not important for politicians to have personal morals as long as – I agree with them on these core issues, abortion, et cetera. And tax cuts. Tax cuts, yes. Abortion and tax cuts. They're the, yeah, they're the key issues. Right. This is going to be I, an I, interesting This is going to be an interesting thing because, like, I've said for the longest time that I, I think Trump has gotten away with what he's gotten away with because he's Trump. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's necessarily the, yes. the acceptance of uh, lower moral character from across the board. I think it's just, this is just Trump. This is just who we thought Trump is. But if Roy Moore wins, then maybe not. Yeah. Are they, maybe I, they were just willing to accept it from anybody. It's bad enough that they, the people accept it just for Trump. I hope you're right that it's only for it's Trump. It's just for Trump. But yeah. Roy Moore is really, is really the test. On the, the polls that I've shown, I forget the exact number, but with those first polls post the Roy Moore accusations, Showing that Doug Moore, Roy Moore, uh, Doug Jones, uh, Doug Jones. Had, was up by eight points or twelve mm-hmm. points or whatever, a, a, across likely voters, still among white evangelicals, mm-hmm. it was like seventy or eighty percent <sighs> for Roy Moore. Good grief! I mean, so is isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I'm working on a column on this right now, but I mean, these are are these evangelicals? Or are they just? I mean, Republicans under the guise of evangelicals, right? Well, I think that's a, a really uh, key point to show how evangelical is a – that's not a word. Yeah. Um, that yeah. has been – I don't know if it's co-opted or subsumed by Republican politics in this country, but how how much the U.S. Republican Party has so intertwined itself with evangelical Christians in this country that they have become almost – inextricable from each other where, you know, their stated values as Christians are not necessarily reflected in a government that refuses to let refugees in, welcome the stranger, as Jesus said. Well, take take the, the governor of Alabama, right? K.I.V., I think. K.I.V. Yeah. And she says, right, what, what Roy Moore did is absolutely despicable. And I believe everything that those women said. But... but I'm going to vote for him because we need those tax cuts for the rich. I mean, she lays it out there. She's not the only one who has said that. I mean, and then, of course, Donald Trump, I don't don't expect much more. But I mentioned earlier, so you've got these wacky preachers down in Alabama, right, who are saying, oh, it's the purity of these young women, you know, that, 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 he's, that he really wants. And that's a good thing, right? Oh, God, uh, I haven't seen that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um the lady that he's married to now, Miss Kayla, is a younger woman. He did that because, you know, there's something about a purity of a young woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, pretty creepy, right? This is Pastor Pastor Flip Venom. Uh, 
So you think these are just these wacky Alabama country preachers, right? But Reverend Jerry Falwell Jr., whom I think has to be considered the leading evangelical in the country today, president of Liberty Mm -hmm. University, Mm -hmm. son of daddy, right, Jerry Falwell, Mm -hmm. uh, said he he supported Donald Trump and stayed with Donald Trump because he said at the time, I met with Donald Trump and Donald Trump convinced me that all those women were lying. He now says, he told Religion News Service over the weekend, I believe Judge Roy Moore is telling the truth and that all those women are lying. So this is, you know, do you think he would say that about any Democrat? Hell no. That's where he starts, right? Are they Republican or Democrat? He probably does not go beyond that Mm -hmm. in in examining the charges. Right. And that kind of goes to show the the cravenness um, of Republicans in this situation who are at the in the same breath denouncing Al, uh, Al Franken and John Conyers while tacitly endorsing Roy Moore. Um, the thing is that they're playing a cynical game and Republicans have won at this game for the past eight years mm-hmm. um, since the Tea Party probably in 2010. They don't actually care about consistency when it comes to their stated values. What matters is attacking the other side and, you know, that sort of negative conception of politics and reactionary politics. And it has worked for them. So they can continue to call out Bill Clinton, you know, Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, everyone, and everyone in the book who is liberal while conveniently eliding any Republican accused of that because they don't actually, the stakes don't actually matter to them. They're not trying for consistency. They don't care about consistency. They just want to win. And in some way, I have to, I don't respect it, but it's undeniably been effective for them as a party. Uh, It has. And you know, I do believe that Doug Jones is going to win, but uh, in, in many ways, if Roy Moore does win, these Republicans are going to get what they deserve. And then they're going to have to deal with having a, a pedophile in their midst as a United States senator and face voters in 2018 with that little problem. Emma, so good to see you. You can note. follow Emma at splinternews.com. Have a great day, Bill. See you tomorrow. Show. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.